Welcome to Stories of Hope. This is a podcast by the Dream Center where you will hear from people who have stories that once seemed hopeless. People whose stories of redemption and life transformation are so powerful they can only be possible by the power of Jesus. Hey everyone, my name is Tatum and I'm here with Joey. Hey guys and welcome to our podcast today. We are on the leadership team here at the Dream Center and today we will be talking with Jim Wilson. Jim is actually our board chairman. So Jim, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Good. Well, Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your life was like growing up? Life growing up for me was in Waycross, Georgia, which is in southern Georgia, and I grew up in a very loving family. My dad and mom were both in the home, and I had an older sister that was five years older than me. Uh, My dad was a preacher, so I was a PK, and so it was a very strict home, and we had rules, and we all followed them. And uh, so I went to a private Christian school that my parents had started uh, out of their church. I graduated, it was second grade through high school, and I graduated second in my class. And before you become too impressed with that, there was only two of us. So it was, uh, it was Mona Brooker, who was uh, valedictorian, I guess you would say. Uh, so I was the salutatorian at of my high school, uh, but since there was two of us, it wasn't a big deal. And uh, graduated uh, high school and went to, I was given basically three choices for college. One was uh, Tennessee Temple University, one was Pensacola Christian College, and the other one was Bob Jones University. And I had, uh, I knew one guy uh, who was a businessman that I had met many years ago, went to Bob Jones, and I said, well, I want to be a businessman, so I'm going to Bob Jones. So that's about how I made that decision. And uh, went to Bob Jones and graduated in four years, and so that was the conclusion of my growing up, I guess, and then it was on to work. So a fellow Bob Jones graduate, I am one myself. (laughs) So, yes, so I understand. I understand what that was like and and going and doing the classes and things like that. Uh, So in in the time that you're talking about your growing up and and when did you start your personal relationship with Christ, Jim? So having grown up in the church, I went to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting on Saturday night. I mean, I did the whole deal. Went to church sick, laid in the back on a pallet. I mean, we went to church. And so we were, I had prayed the sinner's prayer very early on in my life at about five years old. And I continued to pray the sinner's prayer many times since then. And it wasn't until about uh, 15 years ago when I was, uh, laying in the hospital, and I had just been given a nitroglycerin pill because they thought I was having a heart attack. And I said, God, there's got to be something different than this. I went through the motions and went to church. There was a period of time when I had strayed away from God. I just felt like that I was going through the motions. My time at Bob Jones, I would say that I was probably one of the biggest hypocrites on campus. And I did what I was supposed to do. And I said what I was supposed to say, and nobody else knew the difference but a very small group of people that knew who Jim Wilson was. And it was not a good thing. So I struggled with my religion 
and my faith for a long period of time. In that hospital bed, I told God that I would, I would do what he wanted me to do. And I needed to find my purpose. And right before that, I had sold a business that I had totally engulfed myself in. And some would call it being a workaholic for 10 years. And I can remember when I sold that business how driving away from the attorney's office and having a big check in my briefcase and how empty I felt. And I said, there's got to be something more than this. Because I've given my whole life, I had just worked like a madman for 10 years. And out of fear of failure, just, I I didn't want to fail because I didn't give it my all. And if I failed, then I I could live with that, knowing that I had done my best. But during that process, I kind of lost myself, and I felt like that uh, life, my meaning from life was derived from that business. So that's where my journey began was 15 years ago. You mentioned that you didn't really know what your purpose was. Do you feel like you have, over the course of the last 15 years, been able to, to narrow down what you feel like God's purpose is for your life? Absolutely. I, um, I became involved through my business um, with a group that wanted to locate a soup kitchen right behind a development downtown that um, I had revitalized, and we were signing leases with tenants, and and the tenants were very upset about the fact that there was a soup kitchen going to be moving in right behind this new development downtown. And so I went to the group and I said, hey, I said, I, I don't know much about what you do, but I said, the soup kitchen is here in Easley, and I know that you meet down here in an old school building, but um, I, I just don't think that moving it downtown is the place for your soup kitchen. And so I... Um, made a commitment to that group that night that I would help them find another location. And so that's how I got started in pursuing my purpose was I had a friend of mine tell me a long time ago, he says, you know, God's will is what he puts in front of you to do. And so it was kind of a weird way, you know, how God got me involved in working with the soup kitchen. And I stayed on that board for seven years with the purchase of the Dream Center here was their location for the soup kitchen. And, of course, it's still here today, as you as you know. Um, so that was kind of how God used the circumstances to help me realize my purpose. And, and one of the things that, as you know, we've got a, an event coming up here. It's Dream Big, and the speaker is going to be Matthew Barnett. And the significance of Matthew Barnett is somebody that, I've never met, my wife has never met, nobody here as far as I know has met Matthew Barnett, but he had a direct impact on my life because if there was any time that I had a, I've heard people talk about an out-of-body experience, and I can tell you that I had an out-of-body experience because I, I got in the car to go see my mother in the hospital in Jacksonville, Florida, and from the time I got in the car, I started his book, The Calls Within You. 
I can't tell you anything that happened on that trip, but listening to that book. When I pulled up in the parking lot from St. Vincent's Hospital, it was the end of the book. I had no idea how I'd gotten there. But I did know that through that book, and God had spoke to me and had told me what I needed to do. And that was a part of it. So there were those in my life that when I told them about that experience, told me that that was a social gospel and that that wasn't God's plan. And so I had to work through that. Finally decided that, you know, God did a lot of things, or Jesus did a lot of things and prepared the way, you know, he's prepared in advance for us the works. I knew that that was my purpose, is that that was something that that we were supposed to do, didn't know what it was going to look like, and that all came about by trying to find a location for the soup kitchen. And then a group of us had started meeting in the coffee shop, and we tried to help people, and we just figured out that we were horrible at helping people out of a coffee shop. I mean, we made so many mistakes and, you know, tried to help people. And we had one lady that took a homeless family into her home, and they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing, and they were actually bringing drugs into her home. And so I went up and said, hey, you know, we've got to get this family out of this woman's home. I mean, she was a single mother. And so I walked downstairs and I talked to the guy and he said, dude, I'm not going anywhere. He says, I've got, you've got to give me 30 day notice and you've got to evict me because my stuff is in this house. So that was one of the many mistakes that we made just trying to help people out of that coffee shop. And we just said, you know what? We're not equipped to do this and we need, um, we need a place and we need to figure out how to help people better. And so we just started trying to read books and go to places. And we went to the LA dream center and we saw what they did and what they do is phenomenal. Um, but it's different than what we need to do here in Easley. I mean, our needs in Easley are different. We don't have skid row per se, you know, in Easley, but we've got homeless people. We've got people that need help but it's different kind of help. So um, we didn't, like I said, we didn't know what to do and we made so many mistakes and we've just tried to figure out how to get through those mistakes. And I, I tell people often that the school of hard knocks is the greatest school in the world as long as you can afford the tuition. But just to wrap that story up, I actually went to my truck and I got $500 cash out of my truck and I went down to the basement and I said, dude, I said, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. I said, I'm going to hand you $500 if you'll pack your stuff and get your family and get out of this house now. And he agreed, and he took my offer. Thank God that we didn't have to leave that woman there with that. It was a very hostile situation. So I'm get, I guess what I'm saying, saying all this to say that um, helping people can be, can be hard, and it's hard to know how to help people. And um, that's one thing that I feel very confident in at the Dream Center here in Easley is that we have developed a procedure, a method, a way to figure out how best to help people. And I think that um, God has helped us figure that out.
you know, I, I too have been in that spot, what you talked about, where God begins to teach you what your purpose is. And and that is a place that uh, is hard in the moment. But once he gives you that vision and once he, he starts speaking to your heart, it's like full speed ahead. That doesn't mean we want to quit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's true right but that but that means he tells us what we what uh, he desires for our life and and i too um as you said in your in your testimony there i too played the game mm-hmm. but when i got in the game it made altogether difference and i appreciate you sharing that uh, you know you, you shared something of the start of the dream center what what does it what does it mean to you well the Dream Center is um, has allowed me to. My business is real estate development and rehabbing old properties and flipping houses, and we take houses that my father-in-law and I refer affectionately refer to them as the don't wanters, and uh, we that's where we see the most opportunity, and so it's ironic to me. That that's kind of how the Dream Center, not just the facility itself, which it was pretty much a dome owner as well, but how God has given me the ability to see something inside of something that from the outside looks bad. And that applies to buildings and that applies to people as well. Through my business, you know, he, I think he's just given me a, a skill set that is required that I'm not the guy that needs to be on the front line talking with people. I'm figuring out how best to help them because my my first reaction is to give them money or, you know, something that's inappropriate for what's the best way to help people. And sometimes that's not the best way. So I'm not that guy, but what I am is the guy that can help build the facilities and can help, you know, get a group of people together and build a bunch of tiny houses and can put that together with other people. I mean, obviously God has brought together a group of people that has come around us and has helped uh, see this vision through. I mean, I just, I think about all the people that is required to make that dream a reality. And um, so God brought those people in at the right time. You know, I'm thinking specifically about, you know, a lifelong friend, friend of mine, David Burroughs, who, when it was time to build the village, I mean, we built, pre-built, he pre-built walls and showed up with walls, and it was something to see that day when we had raised, raised the village day. And then shortly thereafter came along Dwayne Green when we needed to do all of our permitting and our planning, and he helped walk through that process. And, I mean, there's just so many people. I mean, I, I would, I, I hesitate to mention any, but, because there's been so many, but um, that's what, you know, I feel like God has given me a skill set, and it's not it's not what Matthew Barnett's skill set was, which was to preach. Um, that's not my skill set, uh, even though I felt a lot of pressure during my life to, to do that. I've never felt the call to do that, but without a question, I've felt a call to further the ministry of the Dream Center. You know, building a wall, Jim, is preaching, especially the ministry, you know? That's true. It is. That's true. You're preaching That's a message true. with every nail that you nail, with everything that you put together to build a village and, and, and start the Dream Center. It's preaching a message. 
It's yeah. also a perfect res- representation of the body of Christ. I mean, you've just said that in other words. You, you've talked about multiple people and just the amount of people that have come alongside um, the original families that came around the Dream Center with this vision. And I just think that that's so cool to see the ways that um, you truly have just just paralleled the gospel with your responses in, in a lot of what you've said that, you know, there's the arm that functions in one way. There's the leg that functions in the other way. So everybody's giftings and talents all come together to make up the body of Christ, to be able to further the gospel message, um, which is ultimately what we're founded on as a dream center sure. to exalt Christ, to glorify Christ and to make Christ known. Um, so that's, that's really, that's awesome to hear. So Jim, you've mentioned about your work experience and, you know, how you've been able to utilize that. Could you just tell us a little bit more about uh, maybe a specific way that you're able to use your work experience to serve the Dream Center, um, even after Raise a Village Day? What do you get to do with that, you know, on a on a daily basis? What does that look like? Well, as you can imagine, we've got um, 23 tiny houses. We've got 10 transitional homes. We've got... Uh, as of a few weeks ago, we have four retail stores that uh, the proceeds from that come to, back to help support the Dream Center. And um, so, as you can imagine, with all those facilities, there's a lot of stuff that happens. <laughs> so, you know, that's one of the, the ways that um, I look for the things that need to be done. So, so there's always something to do and something that needs to be fixed. And um, that's the role that I'm filling right now, trying to live out my purpose by creating places for people to do ministry and to um, have a comfortable place to live as they're trying to get their life together. Um, that is, that's my passion. Jim, can you tell us a time when you witnessed life transformation while serving here at the Dream Center? There are numerous examples of life transformation that I've witnessed, but the one that comes to mind the most are Jason and Deanna Smith. I remember when they first came in the village and how broken they were. And when they were in the program, we had males and females in the village as Joe you probably remember so when they were in their core period they had to live separately in different houses and I remember that Thanksgiving that we spent here at the Dream Center with the residents and they were from that day forward they could actually live together in a tiny house and I could just Imagine what that was like to to see your wife and be separated her for that long a period of time and then to see them grow from that point to where they are today is just it is so rewarding to see you know there are those who, who don't make it who fall by the wayside who don't take the help uh, but those who do, and I mean, there have been many, and but you asked for one example, and that was the one example that comes to mind. And the thing that I appreciate most about Jason specifically is periodically he'll come by and he'll thank me. And he knows that God did the work, 
And I know that God did work. But he used the Dream Center to do the work. But that, to me, is the biggest life transformation that I have ever seen. And his wife is now leading our stores, and he's leading our donation pickups side of, of the resale stores. And uh, so it's just awesome to see people that came from living in a tent, being addicted to drugs, and now getting their life together and um, starting to live their purpose. And now their purpose is to help other people live their purpose. And it's just it's awesome to, to see that. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a little sign that, I've, that I can remember seeing as a little boy. And it was a sign that was in the, what my parents called was the prophet's chamber at our church. And the prophet's chamber basically consisted of a 1953 Spartan trailer that sat on the back lot at the church. But there was a little sign in there, and that little sign said, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And so I think back to the empty feeling that I had after I dedicated my life to my business for 10 years straight. And the empty feeling that I had when I sold that business and I had that check in my briefcase. And I said, I never want to experience that feeling again because I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what my purpose was. And it just was a very, whereas you would think that it would be a very happy time of your life to be 40 years old and to have accomplished uh, what we were able to accomplish in that period of time. But I never will forget how empty that felt. And I said, I never want to ever experience that again. And so now I can look back and say, hey, you know, what we do here at the Dream Center does make a difference, and it does last. You know, you were talking about Jason and Deanna, and just the other day he stopped by and was showing us some things that the Lord, the Lord had blessed him. And he said, before I leave, I think I'm just going to drive around and see if Jim needs some help. And I'm sure he came around there and said, thank you. <laughs> Cause that's, because that's Jason, right? And, and that is the difference that we're, we're allowed, God allows us to be a part of. Right. And that's, that's an amazing opportunity it is. to see that life change. It is. Well, Jim, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. I have so enjoyed hearing uh, your story and, and hearing your heart. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. And everyone, thank you for joining us on Stories of Hope. We will see you next time. And remember, one person can't do everything, but every person can do something. Thanks for joining us today for Stories of Hope. For more information about the Dream Center, visit our website at dreamcenterpc.org. Additional resources related to today's episode can be found in our podcast show notes.